Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. From Genesis to Revelation, we see that's true. In Genesis, God says, He's our provider. In Exodus, God calls himself our Lord, our healer. In Judges, he's our peace. In 23rd Psalm, he's our shepherd. So what does that mean to me? If we come under the influence of God, God brings man provision and healing and peace and a loving shepherd. Throughout the Bible, it's apparent that God's always wanted to have a personal relationship with man. He hung out with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Throughout the Old Testament, he would appear on occasion to men like Abraham and Jacob. And of course, he capped that off by becoming a man, Jesus. Pastor Mark will be teaching about this desire that God has even today to be an intimate part of your life. You'll hear about the attributes of God that he wants to make evident in your life. And you'll learn what you have to do to begin or enhance that relationship with him. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Acts chapter 4 as he continues his message, Under His Influence, The Design. The use of a plural for a name is consistent with something we call the Trinity. One God in three persons. Write this down today and we'll dissect it as we go through. This is just a short part, but you need to understand this as we go through. God is a Trinity. By that I mean this. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That isn't new to verse 26. Right here in Genesis, go back to the very first verse in the Bible. Go to Genesis 1, 1. And you will see that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were all part of creation. Right at the beginning of our world. Notice. Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God, the Father, created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the, and the what? And the Spirit of God, God the Holy Spirit, was hovering over the waters. So in those two verses, we see God the Father and God the Spirit right at creation. You say, well, Pastor Mark, where's where's God the Son? Well, he was there. There's many, many verses in the Bible that show us he was there. I just picked one for you. Notice John 1, 3. John writes, through him, God the Son, Jesus, 
all things were made, without him nothing was made. So at the beginning of the world, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were all part of that creation. One God, three persons. Now as you begin to think about that, it's hard to understand, isn't it? You see, Pastor Mike, I kind of looked at that before, but um, I don't even see the word Trinity in the Bible. You're exactly right. That's man's name for it. But you see the teaching or the truth of the Trinity everywhere in the Bible. Let me give you one simple verse that will show you what that looks like. Here it is, Matthew 28, 19. This is the Great Commission. Notice what Jesus says. To his disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations and baptizing them, say it with me now together, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Man, you guys can pass theology school. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You got it. By the way, we're going to have a water baptism. What formula will we use to baptize in? In the, say it with me, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Why do we do that? Because it identifies God in three persons. So even though we don't see the word Trinity, it is taught all through the Word of God. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are three different persons, and yet they exist as one God. There's plurality, there's unity, there's perfect harmony. Some people say this, well, Pastor Mark, I can't believe that because I can't understand it. I want a God I can totally understand. Really? Let me give you this one. Chew on this all week. You just read it. In the beginning, God. When you get an answer for that, come talk to me and we'll laugh together. (laughs) See, the Trinity always has been. They're not created. They've always been. That's impossible with my mind. That's the key. (laughs) See, you don't want a God that you can understand totally. Then you can become a God. I want a God that's way bigger than me. How do I know he is? What does the Bible say? His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are way above our thoughts. The Father is God. The Spirit is God. The Son is God. Is it important that all three of them are God? It's critical. You'll have people knock on your door. Jehovah Witnesses. They don't believe Jesus is God. You'll have Mormons ride on their bicycle to your house. And they don't believe Jesus is God. And neither one of them believe the Spirit is a person. They're kind of into the Star Wars stuff. May the force be with you. I'm glad that Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit are all God. Let's start with the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. And the Father is not the Spirit. That simply means... That the Father is not the same person as the Son. The Son is not the same person as the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not the same person as God. Yet all three are God. Each has a will. Each can speak, can love. And all of these give us a demonstration that they're 
persons. Now, many people, I've done this when I was teaching teenagers years ago and then intervarsity and all kinds of stuff in college. You try to give an illustration to kind of put this in our mind. And so we try it. It doesn't work. None of them work. Here's one. Water, steam, and ice. That's three and one. Here's another one. The egg, shell, and the yolk, and the white. We try all that, and they're pretty good, but they don't really finally make it. It's beyond our understanding. Someone wisely has said this. Try and explain the Trinity, and you may lose your mind. But try and explain it away, and you will lose your soul. So the Trinity is crucial. We do not believe there are three gods. We do believe that God exists in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So what does it mean to come under His influence. That means in our life, we will be influenced by God the Father, we will be influenced by God the Son, and we will be influenced by God the Holy Spirit. And from Genesis to Revelation, there are things that change in that emphasis. We want to go through that. But notice, if God created us to know Him and to influence us, then that means God is relational. He wants to have a relation with you. Next thing to write is, God is relational. And you'll see later, Jesus is, and the Holy Spirit is. And because of that, God wants man to personally know him. In Brevard County, as in all the other counties in the United States, we have millions of people that know about God, but they don't know God. They've never invited God to come and live in their life because they don't understand that he wants to relate that way. He wants a personal relationship with them. Maybe you're here and you're here because you know about God and you, I just talked about the Trinity. You go, yeah, right on. I understood that when I was a little kid. I got it. But you've never accepted him in your life. Then you can't get to heaven. There has to be a personal knowledge Of Jesus Christ. From Genesis to Revelation, we see that's true. In Genesis, God says, he's our provider. In Exodus, God calls himself our Lord, our healer. In Judges, he's our peace. In 23rd Psalm, he's our shepherd. So what does that mean to me? If we come under the influence of God, God brings man provision and healing and peace and a loving shepherd. From the moment you were created, you were created to live under his influence. The question is, are you? Now, for those of you that have never come to the Lord yet, this is all new to you. You've just been living under your influence. And we'll learn that it's not really your influence, but it's really Satan's influence. See, there's two main influences in the world. God and Satan. So God says to us in the book of Jeremiah an important truth. The sooner you learn this, the better. Notice Jeremiah 10.23. I know, O Lord, that a man's life is not his own. What does that mean? Well, I didn't create myself. I'm not self-existent. So I have to respond to the creator. Then it goes on and it says this. This is the part you have to learn. 
It is not for man to direct his steps. It's impossible for us, outside of the influence of God, to do life right. It's impossible. We lack the wisdom to direct our lives. We don't know what's best for us. And we have to be under his influence. Now, the problem is many Christians live under the influence of God when there's a need. And when there's not really a need, they just go out and do their own thing. Just ask yourself this week, how many times did you make decisions and God wasn't even in the formula? You just did your thing. You're just going through the motions of doing life. But notice that song says, I don't want to live one more day doing my deal. Next thing to write. For you and me, not just the unbeliever. Understand that man cannot successfully do life alone. I don't care how much you try. You say, Pastor Mark, I'm doing pretty good without God. Really? Not really. You're empty, lonely, guilty, and afraid of death. Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, yes, you are. You can put on all you want. And we have other people that call themselves Christians, but they're filled with bitterness and anger. They're God. They're going to get everything correct in life. They're going to tell God how to do things. They're going to tell a church how to do things. They're going to tell their families how to do things. They're God. You're not God. Only God's God. And until our heart comes under his influence, our steps will never be right. Now, we're going to take a look, and we're going to go all the way from the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament quickly to show you what this influence looks like. In the Old Testament, most of what we see is man under the influence of God the Father. Mostly in the Old Testament. You're right there in Genesis. Let's take a look. Go right over to uh, chapter 12. Scoot right forward to chapter 12. And we are introduced to a man named Abram, who eventually becomes Abraham. Verse 1. Now, before God comes to Abram, Abraham is a pagan. He's living on his own. He's worshiping idols. He doesn't know anything about God. God basically comes to him. Notice what God says. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I could paraphrase that, the last part of it, by saying this. Leave your country, your people, your father's household, and come, Abraham, come under my influence. means exactly the same thing. And he says, I'm going to change you. God the Father says to Abraham, if you'll follow my instructions, I'll make you the father of a great nation. That great nation will impact you, have influence in your life, but it will influence the whole world. That's exactly right. Because of Abraham, that nation called Israel brought forth a savior called Jesus. That savior is what gets us to heaven. See, he was under the influence of God. That was God's plan all up. Wasn't Abraham didn't have a clue. Now, here's the problem. Was Abraham always under God's influence? Say no. No. Are you always under God's influence? Say no. Am I? Yes. No, I mean no. Absolutely not. You remember God had said to Abraham and his wife, I'm going to bring a child. And they go like, hey, we're like 90 and 100. That's not going to happen. And that was way earlier. 
And they waited many years. And then one day, Sarah said to Abram, Hey, take my maiden here, uh, Hagar. Go into the tent and make a baby. God isn't coming through. Abraham goes, hmm, that's pretty good. I'll do it. <laughs> and what do we have because of that today? The Israeli-Arab situation that will never go away until Jesus comes back. What did Abraham do? When Sarah said, go sleep with Hagar, here was Abraham. He's walking under the influence of God, which affects his actions, his words, his heart, everything. What happened? He walked out of the influence and walked into whose influence? His own. What was the result? Disaster. Charles Stanley has a great statement. He's a great Bible teacher. Here's his statement. Obey God and leave all the consequences to him. Write it down. Obey God and leave all the consequences to him. See, if Abraham would have done that, we wouldn't be in the mess we're in today and he wouldn't have been in the mess. See, what I do is when God says, I'm going to do this, we go, well, you're going to do it in my timing or I'm going to take over, God. Don't do that. Basically, my comment to Charles Stanley's statement is this. Just do the right thing, which is the God thing. And you and I won't find ourselves in a mess. Just obey God, stay under his influence, and good things will happen. Well, scoot forward about four or five books to the book of Joshua. Remember, in the Old Testament, God the Father is mostly in view. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Now, in between that, we have lots of wonderful men and women that were under the influence of God. Jacob and Joseph and certainly Moses. Joshua was an understudy of Moses. We go to Joshua chapter 1. And after the death of Moses, so Moses has died, the servant of the Lord, and the Lord said to Joshua, this is God the Father, son of Nun, Moses said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. Skip on down to verse 5. And Joshua, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. Let me put a little preface in there. As long as you stay under my influence. And as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So God calls and he directs Joshua to take over the leadership of these two million plus Jews. Joshua had seen Moses most of his life come under the influence of God the Father. Joshua says, I'll do the same. And we know that much of his life, Joshua came under the influence of God. He obeyed him, God the Father. So in the Old Testament, and that's just two snapshots, in all the Old Testament, those 39 books, the third person of the Trinity is there a little bit, the Holy Spirit. From time to time, we see the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament comes on individuals temporarily and for a specific purpose, but he's not on all of the people. How about the second person of the Trinity? God the Son, Jesus. We do see a few appearances of Jesus called theophanies, where he comes and appears. But by and large, in the Old Testament, God the Father is in view. Now, as we move to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Gospels, we have a different picture. 
In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus, God the Son, is the one that now is mostly in view. Turn with me to Mark chapter 1, verse 9. Now, we do know in the Old Testament that God predicted he would send his Son to the earth. So, God made this promise over and over again in prophecy. Well, why did God send his son to the earth? Two main reasons. One, to provide for our salvation. That's why we have the name Jesus up there. There's no other name under heaven where a man can be saved. Jesus lived a perfect life. When he came to this earth, remember, he lived as fully God and fully man. So he came to provide salvation for us. That's his main reason. But there was another reason. When you think about this today, and I said to you, let's relate to God. That's hard to get your hands around, isn't it? God, he's a spirit. How do I relate to God? God said, I know you're having a little trouble. And so he says, I'm going to send Jesus. And so he sent Jesus to show us what God was like in a man form. And Jesus would show us the character of God so we could understand that. Remember in Hebrews, says he's touched with the feelings of our infirmity. Well, we saw Jesus cry. I can relate to that. You mean God cries? Yeah. And so Jesus came for those reasons. Well, early on in this ministry, before he gets started, look at Mark chapter 1, go to verse 9. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and he was water baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan. Those of you that go to Israel with us will be baptizing you in the Jordan. Now look at verse 10. As Jesus, God the Son, was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and God the Spirit descending, we'll talk about this word later, on him, upon him like a dove. So in verse 10, we see God the Son and God the Spirit. We'll look at verse 11. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Who said that? See, Jesus isn't a ventriloquist. So we have in verse 11 who? God the Father. So what is that a perfect picture of? The Trinity. Right there's the Trinity. There's many others, but that's a perfect one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. All one God with three unique persons. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark talked about God's design for man. That original intent included mankind going through life being directed by God. You heard that when Jesus came along, he told his disciples that their life would be lived the same way. And you learned that just like Peter and John, who trusted the Holy Spirit for guidance in their situations, you need to learn to do the same. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. 
Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will finish his teaching under his influence, the design. You'll learn about the history of God's involvement with mankind after the fall through his relationship with Israel up to when Jesus was on earth and then the time of the apostles. You'll find out about how to learn from what's gone before and to go figure out how God wants to work through you today. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. in a hurting world a new hope he is giving